Owning Juices for Life is not easy, and I always tell people one of the main things that makes running a brick-and-mortar business so difficult is finding the right employees. Well, thank goodness for ZipRecruiter. They make it so much easier. Just go to ZipRecruiter.com slash breakfast. ZipRecruiter sends your job to over 100 of the web's leading job boards, but they don't stop there. For example, we need people with a food handler's license. ZipRecruiter will analyze each one of the applications that comes in and spotlight the top candidates so you never miss a great match. ZipRecruiter is so effective that 80% of employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate through the site within the first day. With results like that, it's no wonder that ZipRecruiter is the highest rated hiring site in America. And right now, my listeners can try ZipRecruiter for free at this exclusive web address, ZipRecruiter.com slash breakfast. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash B-R-E-A-K-F-A-S-T. ZipRecruiter.com slash breakfast. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. Can I, I tell you love I get more nervous in this room than anywhere else. It's on your radio right now. Do you know how to pop that coochie for a game? There you go. It's the world's most dangerous one to show. Got the cameras on my the f*** what kind of show is this? My son listens to this show. With DJ Envy, the captain of this bitch. With Angela Yee, the only one who can keep these guys in check. With Charlemagne the God. I'm a lovable asshole. And this is the Breakfast Club, bitches. Good morning, USA. Yo 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 I was like, that's your cue, Charlemagne. I didn't have my headphones plugged up. Good morning, Angela Yee. Good morning, DJ Envy. Charlemagne the God. Peace to the planet. Guess what day it is? Guess what day it is? Hump day. It's also National HIV Testing Day. Today is National HIV Testing Day. I'm gonna be honest with you though, man. Them tests, man. Them tests is very stressful. Cause see, I come from the area where you get your, uh, you, you get your. I forgot how they do. Mouth, swab your mouth, take your blood. I don't. They had to take blood back in the day. They had to take yeah. blood, blood back in the day. And and like it was two, three two week weeks. weeks. Yep. Well, now you weeks. find out on the spot. I ain't got time for it that. It takes a few minutes. I don't got that kind of pressure. I'm not right with my God enough. No. But it's very important to get tested because there's people that actually. The earlier that you know, the better it is for you. There's well, people that have been living with HIV for absolutely for a long, long time. Yes. First of all, you sound like future life. when you talk, Envy. So somebody needs to fix know, your uh, microphone on your end. Crazy. That's number one. What do I say? They tested it mad times. Once again, you sound like future. So stop talking unless you're going to sing us a hook. You ain't never going right? to get your bitch back. If you ain't got no hook to sing <laughs> us, then shut up. All right? Now, <laughs> no, now, number one, I remember the first time I ever got my HIV AIDS test, those two weeks were so stressful. I tried to write down every single woman that I had had sex with, and I had to, I had to write down the crackheads because I used to sell crack, so, you know. Uh, How many crackheads did you have sex with? Uh, like two. Two. <laughs> you are something else, bro. Well, I live, I've lived a long life. We see. Okay. But, yeah, when the last time I did mine, it was so quick. I, I was just sitting there. Found, I was in a van. They had the uh, testing van that you could go and uh, get tested and, you know, found many, out right away. How many crackheads you had sex with, yeah? None. Right. None that I know of. If you were a faithful, faithfully married man, there's no need to have an HIV test, right? Um, I don't know. You, if what you're string, if you're well, yeah, you're faithful. Oh. So well, you had a yeah. you had a history though. I mean, because it could pop up now, you know, from things that you. Well, done. it can be dormant for a period of time, but I don't yes. think it's that long. I'm good. Yes, I do encourage everybody <laughs> encourage to go out and get tested get because there's people that have no idea. One in se- one out of seven people who actually are HIV positive don't even know they have it. 
And, and you know, if your wife or your girlfriend goes to the doctor because she's pregnant, that doesn't mean you don't have HIV. Because a lot of people say, hey, my wife went to the doctor. She's good, so I'm good. That doesn't necessarily mean that either. But there's a lot of stigma and shame attached to it. But the truth of the matter is that you can actually live a, a long, fruitful life. And what happens if you find out your results right then and there and the results not what you want them to be? I mean, then you got to figure out. They give you actually. Um, they don't tell you in front of everybody, right? No, they, they tell don't. you, but they actually will uh, give you resources. You can tell the person who probably would test positive no, you in cannot. front of everybody, though. They're probably bursting the tears. You or something. have no idea. Oh, you mean you could tell yeah. after? Yes, absolutely, hundred percent. They're probably bursting the tears right there on the spot. Or you'll just be a little shocked and be like, "Wow." I'm gonna tell you something else, man. This week right here, is, uh, I have two reminders that I'm getting old. Number one, my born day is on Friday, okay. Mm-hmm. And uh, number two, my daughter's born day is today. She is ten years old today. Wow. So she is officially in double digits. Wow. If that don't make you feel old, I don't. I don't know what will, bro. But you got a younger one too, right? So you know, it, it, it keeps two. you young. No, it doesn't. Stop lying. Yes, it does. That's what you tell yourself. That's what every keeps on that's having kids. You tell <laughs> okay. It does. Every time a new gray hair pops up on your face, that's what you tell yourself. I got five kids. So I got five kids. Keep me young. It does. It All keeps right. you running around. It keeps you. Okay. Keeps that energy up absolutely positively does. All right. Yesterday, it keeps, you, it keeps you active. It don't keep you young. <laughs> it, it, it keeps you feeling. And then, yes. oh, but, and before we go too far away from it, I do want to say with National HIV Testing Day at our juice bar in Brooklyn, we are doing free HIV testing, and at a lot of different locations around the United States, everybody's doing National HIV testing. So there are definitely resources where you can go and get tested today. Okay. Now, Amber, do you want to go back and talk about your kids after talking about HIV again? Are you want? Nah, to I'm, gonna, I'm gonna over? let it slide. I was right. gonna ask. I was gonna. Okay. Let, I was just gonna ask. Uh, Char- I know Charlemagne has. Have you ever been in a swamp, Charlemagne? Of course. I have I'm from to. Monk's Corner, South Carolina. Drop on a clues bomb for the 843. Have you ever been in a swamp? I, I mean, yesterday was my first time in the swamp. We did an airboat through the swamp looking for alligators. And it was kind of strange. It was kind of weird. Why? That's a great ecosystem. Are you crazy? I mean, the mosquitoes looking at the oh, alligators, beautiful. the snakes and all beautiful, that. Beautiful. I, I was like, this is scary. Beautiful. I mean, I had a good time, but I'm like... I thought I could get Zika or something, but no, nah, I was good. I had a great time in the swamp I'm, yesterday. I'm from the low country, baby. Okay, I come from 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 growing up, uh, trying to realize if the trying to figure out if the lizard man was real or not. The lizard man lived in the swamps, Somerville, South Carolina. I held okay? a sloth too. Yeah, you ever held held a sloth? No, I don't got no business touching sloths now. Why are you holding on to sloths? Sorry. I don't know. It was at the park. Uh, I at tried the, to avoid sloths. You actually look like a sloth. I've told you that before. You do look like a sloth. You didn't feel like you was at home with your tribe when you was holding the sloths in your hand? Mm, nope. Oh, okay. Mm-mm. All right. Mm-mm. I would say something back, but then people would be mad. So I oh, my gosh. Oh, don't what you do got it. to say? Huh? <laughs> All right. Well, let's <laughs> get into our front page news. What are we don't talking be about this morning? We're in the Trump era. <laughs> say what you need to say. All right? If you got something racist to say, say or colorist to say, say it. It was just a oh. bunch of animals there. I was, you know what? Forget it. Say it. Michael Bennett from the Philadelphia Eagles will be joining us this morning, yes. so we'll kick it with him. He has, he has, he has a book called uh, Things That Make White People Uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. That I've read. It's a great read. All right, yes. and then and then we got front page news. What are we talking about, you? Yes, we'll be talking about a federal judge order. Find out what they've said about parents and children who are separated at the border. All right, we'll get into all that when we come back. Keep it locked. It's the Breakfast Club. Good morning. Morning, everybody. It's DJ Envy, Angela Yee, Charlemagne the guy. We are the Breakfast Club. Good morning. Club. What's happening? Now let's get in some front page news. Now, they are reinstating families, right, Yee? Reunifying Yes, the federal judge has ordered a halt to most family separations at the U.S. border and the reunification of all families that have been separated. And the court specifically says that they have to stop detaining parents apart from their minor children. They can still, of course, prosecute people for uh, trying to get here, but they can't separate these families anymore unless the parent is unfit or the parent declines reunification. So all parents with their minor children who are under the age of five must be reunified within 14 days and parents uh, 
older than that must be reunified within 30 days. They also said that they have to provide parents contact with their children by phone within 10 days if the parent is not already in contact. So when they put the families back together, what they do, deport them back to Mexico or what? I guess it depends on specific individual situations. You know, sometimes people are um, cu- coming here trying to get into the country and it's mm-hmm. not in an illegal manner. Other people, if it's illegal, they'll be sent back. Mm. All right, what else are we talking about? All right, now the Supreme Court, though, at the same time that they've done that, um, the Supreme Court has ruled to uphold Donald Trump's travel ban. Donald Trump t- tweeted out, Supreme Court upholds Trump travel ban. Wow. So this ban restricts entry from seven countries, Iran, North North Korea, Syria, Libya, Yemen, Somalia, and Venezuela. So people who have challenged this say that the travel ban exceeded the president's authority under immigration law as well as the Constitution. And, of course, some people feel like this is actually promoting Islamophobia. Uh, yeah, you think? Absolutely. So we'll see what happens because I know they're going to try to overturn this um, mm-hmm. still as well. And Sarah Sanders is going to be now getting Secret Service protection. That's supposed to be Why? starting. Why? She got today. kicked out of a restaurant. Because she got kicked out of a restaurant. Yes. <laughs> well, I, I mean, I guess uh, I, I, they are trying to say that uh, Queen Maxine Waters was was uh, causing threats of violence. That's what they tried to say. She didn't yesterday. say anything about violence. She just said to she not. Said, she said to harass people when you see them at restaurants and stuff. You know, resist against them. Let them know that you're not happy with this administration. So they took that as a threat. Mm-hmm. That's what that's probably all about. And meanwhile, Donald Trump can say to physically attack people, and that's somehow not a threat. Listen, mm-hmm. that's why I told everybody, just be ready for the smoke, because uh, all of this is not going to lead to anything peaceful at the end of the day. Donald Trump will bail you out of jail if you attack somebody. So, so the same way they're getting Sarah Huckabee Sanders prepared, make sure you're prepared, too. That's all I'm saying. All right. All right. Well, that's front page news. Now, today is... Decided to be married day. I saw that. First of all, I love when we come in here and I see all the different national holidays because it's also National Post-Traumatic Stress Disorder Awareness Day. It's also National Happy Birthday to You Day and National Ice Cream Cake Day, but it's also National Decided to be Married Day. That's right. And 800-585-1051, the question is, when did you decide you wanted to get married? Oh, man. If you are married. now. I was like, huh? Charlamagne, when did you decide? Uh, I decided I wanted to be married. Let me see, it's 2018. I got married in 2014, I believe. So I decided I wanted to be married in around 2013. I mean, I always knew I wanted to marry uh, my, my my wife now because we've been together for 20 years. But I just, you know, you know, you make all those excuses like oh, I'll do it when right. I when I get get my finances in order. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I don't want to I don't want to do it until I'm I'm ready and I can provide all that BS. She never gave you an ultimatum. Um, no. She never gave me an ultimatum. But my daughter did come to me one time. My daughter said, why you and mommy don't have the same last name? Ouch. And that, that hurt me Ouch. In, in a way. So that kind of like, all of that all, all of that was part of the process of me saying, you know what? Time for me to get married. Okay. Yes. I, I kind of knew when, uh, when I first met my wife, she used to run track and she had these huge double Ds. And, you know, in, in track, used to wear these tight track suits and... I used to just go stalk her at track and just watch the double Ds bounce, bang, right then and there. I was like, well, I'm, I'm going to marry that. And so you, you got, you got wow. married for strictly superficial that's reasons. Beautiful. You got married because you like your wife's titties, is what you just told America. Mm. Well, that was the first part of the time I fell in love, and I knew I wanted to get married right then and there. Yep. You fell in love with her breasts. I sure did. Wow. Okay. You can yeah, tell. that was a 16. So, I, so I'm thinking you probably got breastfed until you was three, so it's probably like a sick fetish. Mm. Yeah, wow. This anyway. Guy. 800-585-1051. Call us up right now. We're asking, when did you decide you wanted to get married? And also, ladies, would you propose to your man? Just curious. Call us up right now. It's The Breakfast Club. Good morning. 800-585-1051. Hello, who's this? Um, this is um, Julian. 
Hey, Julia. Now, today is decided to be married day. So we're asking everybody, what made you want to get married? Um, um, what made me want to get married is my mom was passing away from cancer, and my wife wow. was with me through the whole thing. So it made me want to be with her and marry her and mm. want me to spend the rest of my life with her. Aww. She was there for you in a very trying time. Very understandable, yes. sir. Yes, she left her job and came with me. Wow. Travel left everything behind to come be with me by my mother's side. Wow. That's real. I mean, we've all had those. I can think about all the times I've been unemployed and uh, too proud to go collect them unemployment checks, and my wife was holding it down, you know, working, paying the bills. Hello, who's this? Hey, this is Charles from Rochester. Hey, Charles. Now, what made you want to get married, Charles? My girl changed my life, man. Uh, I met my girl when my brother was actually getting picked up by the feds, and uh, I was down and out, and she actually picked me back up. And uh, when I started living with her, I started to look at the different things that I ain't have in my life as far as somebody actually caring for me and somebody really holding me down when I ain't really had it. And uh, I'm about to get married in two months, man. I decided to do it like a year and a half ago, step up to the plate, and now I'm about to make her mine, man. There well, you go, my brother. Bro. I love this, man. All of these traumatic experiences us black men going through, and we got our queens holding us down. Absolutely. I love it. Hello, who's this? Yeah, man, this is Deke from the Brick City, and I wanted to let y'all know when did I decide to get married. First of oh, all, boy. I feel sorry for the woman that married you, Deke. <laughs> oh, uh, but boy. Con continue. Yeah, I decided to get married in 2009 after I had my daughter because I didn't want to pay child support, and I also didn't want to marry raising my child. That, that, that's very honorable of you, dude. Very honorable of you, dude. That wasn't positive, but you know, okay. the fact okay. that you would marry the woman that you got pregnant, what a concept. What does that have to do with anything this morning, sir? I don't know. I just wanted to take a cheap shot. <laughs> All right, have man. Have a good day, D. 800-585-1051. <laughs> Today is decided to be married day, and we're asking, when did you decide you wanted to get married? Call us up right now. It's The Breakfast Club. Good morning. Hello, who's this? Hey, Why are you mama? so excited this morning, ma? Because I'm talking to my favorite people. Okay. Hey. hey. You sound just like Elmo. All right, now what? You know, today is National Decided to Be Married Day. What made you want to get married, Mama? Um. Well, actually, I'm not married. No, the I, question I, that was asked to me was what I proposed. Okay. And my answer is no. Well, first of all, uh, nobody would say yes to you because of your voice. Now stop it. All right. Whatever. Be nice. So you're not, how old are you, Mom? Elmo laugh. How old are you, if you don't mind me asking? I'm 48. Oh, you got oh. plenty of time to get married. Yes, no rush. Don't just At do all. it. Mm-hmm. All right, put some bass in your voice, Ma. I'll stop it. I'll try to. I'll try my best. Did you try just now? Or was that, what was that? <laughs> yeah, I'll try. I can't do it. All right, baby. Have a good day. Have a good one. <laughs> Sound like Michelle A. Well, hello, who's this? iPhone Sim, Envy, what's poppin'? iPhone Sim, what's poppin', iPhone? Yo, what's good, what's good, Charlamagne, what's good, uh, um, Angela Yee? Peace, good my morning. brother, what's uh, happening? The topic question is, when did you get married, right? When now, did you wh decide to get married? When did you decide to get married? In 2008, Obama was in office, and uh, it was a recession, and I was just trying to combine income, bro, so I was up, she was up, and we just tried to, you know, make it work, so she found a little income with mine. And it went to like 2009, and that was it. That sounded like story. a business business arrangement. Wasn't yeah. no love involved yeah, or nothing I, like that? Yeah, listen, she was messed up. I, I don't know if you remember 2008. That was a rough year, man. Uh, I sir, I got I fired. I got fired November 2nd, 2008 from the Wendy Williams experience, okay? Yeah, I, I well, know. I, I already had got fired prior. She still had, she still had a little good job. Man, it was rough. 
We understand. Are y'all still together? I got fired November 2nd, 2008. Hell no, we ain't together. Hell no. Damn. Yo, baby, this right here. Pretty as your wife is, you fell in love with just the breast, bro? At first, yeah. I mean, I was I was 15. What do you expect me? You thought I was going to have a deep conversation? Not the fact that she's, you know, pretty as heck, long hair. You went in there and just said, yo, I want some Man, that was yeah. That came after. Envy superficial. He Ooh. said he said he stalked his wife at track meets. Uh. So I guess the moral of the story is you can you can meet to somebody if you married him. That's what you saying, Envy? No, I didn't say that at all. No, you married you did marry the woman you meet to technically. I did I did marry my wife. Yes, we've been yeah. together over twenty four years. Hello, who's this? Hi, this is MJ. Hey, Mama. Now we're we're asking. Today is decided to get married day. When you when did you decide to get married, and would you propose to your man? Um, well, I'm not yet married, but I know it's going to happen soon because we're expecting a baby. That don't mean nothing. Well, you think that baby going to make him uh, propose to you? Uh, well, it's been in the talk, so I know it's going to happen. Oh, okay. Well, I, I, yeah. I, I, I'm listen. I'm gonna be honest with you. I, I proposed to my wife after we had a baby. It just so happened my baby happened to be six at the time, but you know, <laughs> it still happens. Sheesh. I mean, I, I don't, I don't mind that. Uh, my family's against it, but it's already happening, so I don't mind it. Your family's against you getting married after having a baby. Oh, they want you to get married before beforehand, before the baby comes. Right. Okay. Oh, got you, got you. We can always do a Cardi and Offset day, get married on the low. Shout out to them because um, that fake proposal was also interesting. Since they got married and then he proposed after. First of all, I'm not going to let you talk down on nobody's proposal, especially when you ain't been gotten proposed to yet, having a baby out of wedlock out here in these streets. <laughs> but you want to judge. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you, Mama. Good luck. All right. Now, ye. Yes. We got rumors on the way? Yes, we are going to be talking about a joint album in the works. Let's see if you're excited about it also. Find out who had to apologize after some homophobic lyrics. All right, we'll get into all that when we come back. Keep it locked. It's The Breakfast Club. Good morning. The Breakfast Club. Morning, everybody. It's DJ Envy, Angela Yee, Charlamagne the God. We are The Breakfast Club. Happy good morning, Wednesday. guys. What's happening? Wake How's up? your hump day? Huh? It's going good. I'm watching a little Uzi on the screen. You should wake up in a little Uzi uh, type of mood this morning, man. What type of mood is that? Oh, you ain't seen him and Black Boy JB doing them crazy young boy dances on Instagram? No, I didn't see it. Man, if I still had good knees, I'd try that. But no, I can't be wouldn't. hopping around on one knee. No, you wouldn't. Ain't too weak for that. Well, let's get to the rumors. Let's talk Lakeith Stanfield. It's about time. What's going on? Yo, yo. Rumor Report. Rumor Report. This is the Rumor Report. Talk to him. With Angela Yee on The Breakfast Club. Well, Lakeith Stanfield has apologized for a video that he did on Instagram where he was rapping lyrics that were offensive uh, and homophobic. Tell people who Lakeith Stanfield is. Lakeith Stanfield plays Darius in Atlanta, and he was in Get Out as well. And he's also in that movie, um, Sorry Sorry to to Bother You. you. It's coming out in, what, two weeks? Okay, so here here are those lyrics. Boy, you're dressed like trash. You were 8'6". Take that choke chain back. That's some gay-ish. Only black rags in my cab like I'm racist. Gab. I don't really like to brag, but I'm straight rich. Fucking bitches out the ass and I'm famous. And all these gay niggas get mad because they hate this. I really wish Lakeith Stanfield would stop rapping. When he was here on The Breakfast Club, 
I told him he was trash as a rapper, but he continues to rap, and this is what happens when you continue to rap. Well, he said that that offensive freestyle was actually uh, him in character. He said, I make videos all the time, which I usually end up deleting as soon as I make them. I assume characters that have different viewpoints and different views on life just from different perspectives. Some things my views are in line with, and some things my views aren't in line with, and this character that you've seen is a character I'm definitely not in line with, and I definitely don't believe those things. Lakeith, that's the best you can come up with. (laughs) that's the best excuse, excuse you can come up with. Look, first of all, Lakeith acts like Darius in real life, and I can't tell if he's playing or not. And I know he got a movie coming out in a couple weeks. Sorry to bother you. Why would you do something like this two weeks before the movie? And did that cause a fake outrage, that little rhyme? Because I didn't see that on, on... Yeah, I didn't see it at no, all either. No, people were definitely mad about it, and he definitely apologized, definitely deleted the post. You can't that's do that. That's why he gave a whole explanation. If you can't say that and then say, okay, well, I was just in character. You can't do that. By the way, if he hadn't gave that explanation, I apologize. I'd never know. Mm. All right, now Kodak Black, congratulations to him. He passed his GED re- uh, test. He said, it feels like the day I bought my first chain. So that's a big deal. He uh, is staying positive right now. He had access to a tutor so he could actually get his GED, and he is happy to announce that he did get his certification. It felt like the day I bought my first chain. Yeah. It's a good feeling. All right. I dropped one of the clues bombs for Kodak Black. I mean, I, I, you know, it's he Florida. Was excited. It's he Florida. Was excited. Yes. It's Florida, so I'm going, I, that, that feels like an accomplishment. All right, now the game has threatened to kill three men who tried to rob his house. So imagine you're at the BET Awards, and he said, this past Saturday night, three N-words thought they could catch me slipping while I was out enjoying BET weekend festivities and attempted to burglarize my home. He said they were on the ground checking the windows and doors for sensors, and once they saw the house was secure and my two Rottweilers were in the crib, they aborted the mission. The first uh, dude looked hella familiar. And I'm on it. The second one had an Andre Berto clothing line Harvest hoodie on. He said it has nothing to do with Andre Berto, but he said, I'm on it too. Y'all idiots really three deep with one baby-ass flashlight. So he said, um, a place where my children lay their heads at night will never be disrespected on my watch. If and when you come back, I'm killing all three of you N-words on sight. So if you want to lose your life over some Xboxes and a few TVs, by all means, pull up and hop that gate again. I haven't heard anything he said wrong in that nothing whole statement. Wrong. What nothing wrong. Nothing wrong. You know how violating that must feel when you, you get to see hey, on camera people trying to break into your home? You break into my house, you deserve to die. You're getting shot. Absolutely. That's what, Absolutely that's, on the That's show. what stand your ground laws are about. That's what guns are about. Okay, that's what the 2A, 2A amendment is all about right there. Uh, I'm with you. Ashanti has made a confirmation. Uh, ja Rule posted, Iconic, the Carters' new album is dope. Ashanti, I think we should do one of these joint albums for the culture. I'm inspired. Here's what Ashanti had to say. It's so funny because we've been talking about that for so long, yeah. but I think now he's like, okay. Now it's time to do it. We're going to carve out the time and make it happen. If you think for one second that in 2018 I give a damn about a Ja Rule Ashanti album, then you are absolutely right, okay? I am going to be here for that joint album. I am sick of y'all fronting on Ja Rule and Ashanti like they haven't been out here making adult contemporary hip-hop since before we were adults, okay? You don't like Always On Time? You don't like Mesmerized? Huh? Solo records like Foolish put it on me? Yes. Okay. So, let me tell you something. And as soon as Tom Joyner retires, I'm going to take over his boat cruise, and Ja Rule and Ashanti going to be the first artist I book to perform. My God damn it. They need Irv Gotti, though. Irv Gotti got to do the beats, get the producers. Irv gotta they got to be that classic murder. And you know, they sound. did a song together for the Hamilton mixtape as well called Helpless. Really? How was it? Mm-hmm. Oh, it was good. I missed that one. Yeah. yeah me too. Go dig up seven. Okay? Yeah, we'll find seven. Seven, Irv, all that. I'm here for a Ja Rule Ashanti goddamn album, okay? All right, well, good. That, well, then that announcement... Why people try to act like they don't like Ja Rule's music? As if Ja Rule's exciting. music hasn't aged very well. 
like if always on time, come on right now, you don't start singing it at the top of your lungs. I think it was the disc records they didn't like, but yeah, like you said, it those those records were classic. Come on, man, y'all got joints. Yeah, you didn't like clapback. Um. It was cool. I did like clapback. It was cool. I, I like the video. The video was like, all right, <laughs> stop it, job. Okay, the push-ups and the sweat and the, like, nah. But the, 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 the song is actually dope. All right, well, I'm Angela Yee, and that is your rumor report. All right, thank you, Miss Yee. Now, coming up next, we got front page news. What are we talking about, Yee? Uh, we are going to be talking about an upset for the Democrats. Imagine if a 28-year-old who ran for the first time ever beat somebody who's actually been in office for uh, quite a long time. We'll tell you where that happened. All right. And also next hour from the Philadelphia Eagles, Michael Bennett will be joining us. So we'll kick it with him as well. So don't move. It's The Breakfast Club. Good morning, everybody. It's DJ NV Angela Yee, Charlamagne the guy. We are The Breakfast Club. We got a special guest in the building. He plays for the Philadelphia Eagles and the author of the book, Things That Make White People Uncomfortable. Michael Bennett. Thank you, thank you. New York Times bestseller, too. Hey! Yeah, that's, Congratulations. That's, 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 that's a big deal, yeah. Yes, welcome to the list. When did you decide to write this book? Uh, last season, or uh, was that 2017? Yes, during the season I started writing, the, no, 2016 I started writing the book and um, finished it in 2017 and then published it this off season. So um, just want to be able to put it on paper, you know. It's not very often that you're able to... to articulate your thoughts and be able to share them with the world, especially when it's about political things. I think when you are an athlete, people want to keep you in a bubble so you can't really speak about what's going on in the world. Because, shut up and dribble. Yeah, shut up and dribble. You heard them. That's all you can do. Shut up and dribble. You're not part of this community, so you're different. But at the same time, you can see from LeBron James at the end of the day, you live in Brentwood and you still get the N-word spray painted on your wall. So. How have people reacted to the title of your book? Great title, <laughs> Things That Make White People Uncomfortable. Well, the white people are uncomfortable with it. <laughs> I think they are. I think, But it's a title. It's a, it's, it's a catchy title. I think mm-hmm. the title is important because it challenges everybody to wonder why we've been so comfortable with things that have been happening. Why are we so comfortable with seeing police shootings? Why are we so comfortable with seeing people being taken away from their family? Why have we been so comfortable with the Me Too movement? Why why have we been so comfortable with all these things happening? And it takes so long before people be uncomfortable and finally say, hey, we need to make a change. And so that's all the book is really about, is just challenging people to change their comfortability about things that have been happening for so long. What's interesting to me is that you talk about looking back at your time in college and things that you could have done yeah. you know, back then to initiate some type of change, but it took for you to be here now to realize how much power you did have as a student athlete. Oh, uh, you really, thank you for reading the book. Yeah, <laughs> no, I didn't think, no, but no. Um, yeah, it's kind of one of those things where you were having all these experiences, but you didn't know how to voice them. I and for me, like, uh, I've said this a couple of times, is that the athletes that I had to look up to, they didn't really leave us with a voice. I mean, I look at Michael Jordan or I look at Patrick Ewing and all these great athletes, they didn't leave us with a voice. So why would, how could we speak up? There was no, you know, examples for us. And then I didn't have the ability to grow up in the time of, you know, Muhammad Ali, John Carlos, all these great athletes. Those athletes were athletes I had to read about. So I didn't really had to learn on my own how to be able to use this platform. And now with all the things happening with Kaepernick and all the things happening with Malcolm Jenkins, the athletes behind us, they have a they have a voice now. So now you see more athletes speaking up because the ones who are in front of them, the ones who have everything to lose, they're speaking. If you look at LeBron James, he's speaking on real issues. So every other basketball player has to fall in line because it's like if he's going to speak about it, then mm-hmm. we got to take chances. And no offense to Kobe, I love them playing the sport. I love King Griffey Jr. I loved all those great guys when they came to playing sports, but they didn't show me how to be a man, you know what I mean? So 
that was hard. A lot of us as athletes, young athletes, we looked up to you know these players because a lot of people didn't have fathers. They looked up to them for examples, and I think they led us along the way of like being like get the money. Like it ain't about moral, mm-hmm. about your moral compass, and now it's about hey, what about the moral compass? What about focusing on? our community while still making plays and still doing the things that we love, but we're still having a voice to speak for people who don't have them. In the book, you speak about uh, Colin Kaepernick a lot, a few times, and you say how much of a hero he is to you. Yeah. So why don't players like yourself who feel that way sit out a game or two since yeah. y'all know he's being blackballed? I know. That's a, that's a real hard question. I think that, like, how do you make a change for him? Is it me sitting out? Is it the league? Is it the what's name? I really feel, honestly, it's not so much the players who really are the ones who changed if Kaepernick has a, a job. And I really think it's the fans because at the end of the day, if we start playing, they still going to have another person playing. Is it, are the fans going to stop buying jerseys? Are the mm. fans going to stop buying, buying tickets? Are you going to stop being a Dallas Cowboy fan even though you haven't Jerry won Jones. since the 90s? You know, so or is that going to happen? You know, <laughs> I'm, I don't think I'm going to stop being a fan, but I think I do have to I do have to boycott the NFL. Yeah, I, I'm just saying it has to be the it's the fan who has to question themselves mm-hmm. for how they make a change. They put all the pressure on the players, you know. You can't just boycott when your team loses and act like you didn't watch the game. No, that I day. think this time I, I think yeah, right? this year I'm really going to sit out just based off you know I think it was that the, the new policy where they told everybody that they either have to stand or yeah, stay yeah. in the locker room like that kind of was the, that was it. For and me. then it makes you so torn because at the same time you want to support the players because a lot of them are black players so we want to support you guys. And so we feel like not watching is not, but then it's like, okay, it's just a... a it's a tricky situation, yeah. but I think I think we have to refocus on, like, what are the players doing? Which players are involved in the community? How do we help them and elevate their conversations or their platform? And I think you guys do a great job because you give people with players who don't really have a voice or they don't have the audience that, the audience that you guys have, you, you're giving them the audience. So you guys are doing your part, you know? So we have to keep, like, giving those people voices because there are a lot of people who are doing great work. Um, just because, you know, Colin's not in the league right now doesn't mean that there's not guys like Malcolm Jenkins, Chris Long, Kenny Stills, uh, Cameron Jordan, like all these people who are doing great things. Like we still have to find a way to support the other players. On, they're still trying to use those platforms. But you do think you think fans should boycott the NFL? I think fans should follow what they believe in. I, you know <laughs> he kind of said that. Yeah, I, I, He's I, saying I, that don't put it all on the players. I'm saying don't it's put, also up yeah. to us. Yeah, because basically it becomes like a form of victim. Like you victimizing the players, like saying like we have to take all the risk and we the, nobody else wants to take any risk with us. Now, if everybody's, we all collaborating, we're like, hey, we're going, like we want this to happen, then we all have to do that. You right, know if y'all boycott, but then somebody else is just playing and we all still watching. Yeah. Like, oh, well, I guess we don't need them. Yeah, what y'all going to do on Sunday? Go to church? You know, like, <laughs> no, it's like, so... It would be it would it would start though because if, if your favorite players are sitting, I'm not just tuning in to watch anybody. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. So if I'm a fan, I'm like, oh, I'm not. If they if they not playing, I'm not. I'm not gonna watch. Them. Yeah, it takes some, but then it also takes some of the white players to do it too. You know, so now, does it yeah. make you feel differently sometimes when you guys are in the locker room and you're talking about things, but then there's certain players who are just not with it? Does it make you look at them a little differently? I think you don't. You try to empathize with them. You try to be able to have some type of compassion for their their journey, and you want to be like. You want to not ostracize them where they don't want to have a conversation with you. So there's times you're like, you're like, what? You said what? And it's like, okay, let's let's talk. Let's have dialogue. I think for me, it's always about dialogue. How do we, you know, have a conversation? How do we create an environment where people are willing to share the information? And I think that just has to happen in the locker Sometimes people have to come around. I, remember, I think you said it was Russell Wilson yeah. that finally kind of stepped up because he had never really been known. Yeah, for I think that. for me, like when you look at Russell Wilson, it's like, he was one of the players as a black quarterback who really like started to start saying stuff and started doing different things. And I think you think that was to distract people from the fact that you know he was dating Sierra and he oh, got tired yeah. of the future jokes. 
Please yeah. let me change the narrative. I mean, you can't run away from future, so it's just, you know, it's just <laughs> every time you go, we go out, I'm like, damn, he's on the Gap commercial? How? <laughs> yeah, so it's like, you know, you can't really get away from it. But I think it was just him, like, realizing, like, you know, like, there's so much more we can do as athletes, you know. It's like we could talk about all these other things and these uh, contracts, and we could talk about Nike, we could talk about all these different brands, but why can't we talk about things that are affecting the world and community and in the humanity part of it? And I think that's why I respect him as a player because he didn't have to do it because he's got everything to, to lose, but he was one of the rare players in the quarterback position who says something. Now, Donald Trump said that football is getting too soft, and that was something that you addressed in the book about how offensive it is for him to say something like that. I think it's... It's very offensive because at the same time, you that means you kind of dehumanize the athletes who are dealing with, you know, the brain trauma of the past athletes or the ones who are dealing with these injuries. It takes a lot for guys to go out there and play every Sunday and play through the injuries that they play through. And I think he has no, you know, he has no, he has no feelings or he's never played through any of the pain. He's definitely not an athlete. He's he's definitely not an athlete. I mean... (laughs) I mean, if talking was an athletic ability, he'd be, it'd be... I don't know, Charlamagne would beat him if it was talking. If, if <laughs> definitely, was I'm talking. definitely a better verbal, Donald Trump. Verbal <laughs> communicating with Donald Trump. Yeah, yeah, yeah you would be. You'd be a, yeah, you, he'd be like number one. He, you'd be number one, he'd be like number ten. <laughs> <laughs> now, did, did, was there ever a real conversation that happened between Seattle Seahawks and Kaepernick about bringing him in? I don't know. I, I've heard that there was. I, I don't really know. I can't really speak on it because I have no, no truth about what, what happened and what was said. I just know that he didn't end up on the team, so I don't mm-hmm. know how that worked out. All right, we got more with Michael Bennett when we come back from the Philadelphia Eagles. So don't move. It's the Breakfast Club. Good morning. The Good morning, everybody. It's DJ NV Angela Yee, Charlemagne the guy. We are the Breakfast Club. We have Michael Bennett in the building. Charlemagne? Malcolm Jenkins, he gets a lot of credit now, but it was a point where people were saying he was a sellout for publicly supporting the NFL's charity deal, as they called it. I, I called it, I guess, the, what the money set aside to yeah. support black causes. And people feel like Malcolm disrupted the racial justice movement that have started. How did you feel when, I, when you I first heard? I, I don't think Malcolm so. I think I, I think that a lot of times, you know, society makes us choose a side. You know, you look at the I was, you know, look at the Dalai Lama. You look at like things that people are talking about secular ethics. It's like we choose sides before we really listen to the information. It's like just because one person has a different method doesn't mean that they're that they're not doing their job. I think. We all have to glorify all the people who are trying to make changes. We can't pick and choose. Like, we're not going to agree because we all come from different backgrounds, but we can agree that we want to make change. And I think people put too much into it. Like, they were like, oh, he's not doing this, so he's not down. But at the end of the day, he is down for the cause. Every day, he's talking about it. He's making changes. He's going to visit people in the jail. He's going, talking about bail reform. I think there's a lot of people who are doing things like that, but people put too much, you know, emphasis on what they're not doing instead of focusing on what people are doing. But that money kind of stopped the conversation. I don't think the money stopped the conversation. I think the money is another way to build bridges because a lot of these groups and communities, they need money. They need economic freedom that people will, like, really need. It's like, how do you, you make the Dallas Cowboys go to all parts of Dallas? Like, you know, they only represent the philanthropy side of something. And when you talk about philanthropy side of something, it's like things that everybody's affected with. Like, everybody's affected with cancer. Everybody's affected with, with all these different things that happen to people. But not everybody's affected by police brutality. So when you can take somebody to that community and help them change their mindset about it, it's important that you do that. So I think that's the, the, the bottom line of it. Mm-hmm. Do you think players are being swayed by the NFL Players Association to, like, to stay passive? I don't think so. I think I think the 
we look at corporations. If you look at corporations, corporations don't have souls. They don't they don't have any moral compass. They don't have any of those things. Their bottom line is money. So it's on the players to keep their willingness, keep changing the communities that they're a part of. I think that's what the real uh, battle is, is how do you continuously push forward regardless of what the NFL is saying or the NBA or what Donald Trump is saying? How do you continuously go out and do the things that you know that are right? Because that new policy of either standing or uh, staying in the locker room, that's definitely a violation of the terms – Agreed upon, right? I, I'm not sure. I didn't, I know it's a, it's definitely a freedom uh, thing that we should be able to express ourselves. But I think, you know, by them trying to express saying that we can't take a knee, it kind of like goes into the world of like that's our point. It was never about taking a knee. Like it was never really about taking a knee. You were so focused on taking a knee that you missed the point. The point was about everything that was happening around the world. And I think now it's kind of like okay, you don't want us to take a knee. How do we keep? pushing for it. It makes it allows us to be more creative and it also allows us to like continuously put in the real work to things that really matter. Let's get to some of this shit, man. <laughs> you got arrested for allegedly injuring a paraplegic woman as you, you tried to get on field to celebrate uh, your brother's Super Bowl win. Why is the white man trying to get you, man? I don't know. I don't know. I, <laughs> you know, I'll just let my lawyer do what he need to do. Obviously, you know how I feel about that situation, but at the same time, you know, that's just life. You know, the things are going to come up to you and, and you speak certain things and you do certain things and then sometimes you got to be tested and are you going to go through the test or are you going to fade away and I think at the same time you can't stop doing what you do simply because people want you to stop doing it. You think your book title had anything to do with it? Oh, you make white people uncomfortable? Watch this. I, I, don't think, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. If, I don't know if people pay that much attention. I don't know. Maybe they do. Maybe they don't. But at the same time, you know, the book is not about just about white people. It's about people in general. I think the idea of intersectionality is like in the book, I don't just talk about like there's white people, but I talk about people in general. Like to me, there's things in the black community that need to be changed. The N word, you know, things things that we use on a daily basis that you know dehumanize our own value to our own selves. We don't even realize that we're reflecting these these truths to other people, and they're starting to use them. So it's like I agree with you 100 percent in that chapter. <laughs> and so it's like we have to start looking at ourselves too. And, and it's things like as a as a man, like how do I support the me too? How do I go into the mm-hmm. the conversation and not be like, oh, I'm not victimizing? You know, like how do I say that I I want people to be free, but I'm not willing to say, like, the LGBTQ movement should not have their validity when they're talking about something. How do I say that I want black people to be free, but I don't think that Native Americans should have rights? Or I don't, So it's like the idea that there are so many issues that within myself that I'm really trying to, you know, unclaim, like questioning, like, my humanity. How do I bring back the human aspect to it? And I'm just giving people the journey through that, like, questioning ourselves, like, do we still need to be uncomfortable, you know, you know, do are we still so comfortable with things that are happening? So for me. What was your reaction when you heard you had got charged? My reaction? I was just like, oh, shit. like, nah, there's no really reaction and stuff. Or like, damn, like, gotta that. handle it. You gotta handle it at the same time. You know, you gotta have that calmness and they, you gotta have that calmness to just move forward and, you know, just keep doing what you need to do. Did you ever get things cleared up with the Las Vegas Police Department? Because you had a run in with them when yeah. they assaulted you. <laughs> you know no, I never really got anything cleared up with that. I think that was just like a reality for a lot of people, whether they disagreed with it or not, or they said, what is this? But the, at the end of the day, people needed to connect to like my humanity connected to that i was a father connected to that i was a husband or a brother or no and i'm my uncle like so people were you know picking sides but at the end of the day for me it was just like i just want people like connect to me like look man like i'm a human like this happened to me whether you agree with it or, or you think it should be done or not like at the end of the day like do you feel compassion do you feel empathy for people who are going through different things and myself i found firsthand that that's not the world that i live in i see you rocking your african ancestry pendant yeah straight up we from the same tribe, right? Yeah, we, we, we brothers. <laughs> we're cousins. I'm from three tribes. I'm from the Balinta people. 
living in Guinea-Bissau, the Mandinka people living in Senegal, and the Mindy people living in Sierra Leone. Yeah, we cousins. Which one are you? I'm both. Mende and Mandinka. My brother. Absolutely. I just came back from Africa. Really? I keep huh? telling you that I'm trying to, I want to take you to Africa with me. Because, I got to get there, man. Because I think African-Americans, we have to connect to our African spirituality. I think if we can, like, connect to our spirituality and connect, because if you look at African-American story in America, 400 years of tournament, 400 years of, like, struggle, but there's a part of our life that we don't really understand, and I think until you go to Africa and you sit on the coast or you sit at the Gory Island or you sit at the House of Slaves, you kind of realize the capacity of, you have an understanding. It makes you proud to be who you are because you know that your ancestors have been through something. A lot of us have been through something so traumatic that we just got to connect to our, to the past. Like, I love Black Panther, man, but I think we're taking this Wakanda thing a little too far. We're taking it real... Like, it's crazy, though, my friend. Like, like everybody's like Wakanda, but from the 90s, like, people say, like, Boys in the Hood, like, African booty scratch. Like, nobody wanted to connect to Africa because it was like... Well, oh, it was a cool. wanted to go back to Africa. He definitely... Africa. He went yeah, back. He yeah, did. He, he did. Nas, Nas always want to go back to... You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> but I'm saying, but, like, at that time, nobody's connected. So it's good to see people being, being Afrocentric. It's good to see women saying that they love their hair or people loving their skin because as my daughter, you know, in, in invokes on her journey, it's like, how do I always tell her, like, her skin matters? Like, you know, how does, yeah. like, like, wear your hair. Don't let people touch your hair. You're not an animal. Like, your hair is you. Like, it, it's like, so those things are important to, you know, like, you know, growing as a culture is like respecting our past and respecting where we're going as people. But you can connect to your African ancestry and find people that are just as great. Like, all of these places that I'm from, that's the Mali Empire. Well, I know. You know who ran we the Mali Empire? We Mansa Musa. Yeah. The world's richest man ever was a black yeah. man. Yeah, that's true, too. Like, come on. But I'm saying, but that's why it's important. Like, Wakanda, everything is, like, just like she said, like, everything's a stepping stone. Now people are getting very inquisitive about, like, Oh, so what does it mean to do that? You know, like like yeah, those yeah. things, like like those <laughs> things or something. Like when when I'm in, when I'm in Africa, like to be there and like you know feel the dances and feel the culture and feel the food to look at something and be like, oh, I used to think this was called gumbo, but it's called this. And it's like these connections are still there, and it's like how do you connect to that? And I think that's the thing that we have to keep moving forward on. Well, things that make white people uncomfortable. My man Michael Bennett is out right now. Yeah, please go get it. Go get it right now. Follow him, Moses Bread 72 Thank you. We appreciate you coming through. Thank you guys for having me. And it's the world's most dangerous morning show, The Breakfast Club. Everybody, it's DJ NV Angela Yee, Charlamagne the Guy. We are The Breakfast Club. You just heard that cheat code record, Drake, Nice for What? His album comes out Friday. That record alone is going to cause him to go 10 times platinum in the I'm first I'm excited day. about it, too. I'm it excited. looks like I it's going to be album. a double album, too, from what it's looking like. <sighs> double albums are tough, man. Mm. Double albums are tough, and they're hard to pull off, Okay. It'll be all right. He be, it's, it's Drake. He knows what he's doing. All right, you sit there. You give us a, a, a double album full of uh, average, mediocre, okay records. This song is a popping one. Nice for what? Yeah, yeah, but you've been listening to that for three months now. And um, uh, Kanye just said in his New York Times interview that Drake is the best artist right now. He is. He is. a lot of pressure on Drake right now. Nah, Especially after taking right. that L to push your T. Now, the okay. album's already done, so I, I'm a, well, I think a majority of it done. I think he'll be all right. Pusha T took nice for what the heart. He said, oh, you tell me to be nice for what the people this summer? Watch what I do to you. My goodness. Well, shout to everybody out in uh, Florida. I'm out in uh, Kissimmee, Florida, Orlando, Florida right now with the family vacation and took him to Disney. And yesterday I did something that I know Charlemagne has probably has done before because he's from the country. I, I went on an airboat through a swamp looking for gators. I don't, I didn't go looking for gators. Sounds right? exciting. Okay. <laughs> so why, I mean, why else would you go in the swamp, go in the airboat? That's what you do, right? Because I'm That's... from the low country. Uh, it's a lot of swamps just randomly in the low country. So you could just be walking in the woods and come encounter a swamp. I actually ended up in a swamp accidentally in Louisiana once. 
and gators would creep up in backyards where I'm from. Okay? Yeah, Drop uh, one of clues bombs from Mount Corner, South Carolina, damn it. Well, I'm not used right. to that. I'm not used to the mosquitoes. I'm not used to the gators. It was fun to, you know, to cruise on the swamp with the kids, but then I, I was grateful to get off because I don't play with gators. There's a lot of gators but out here in Florida. But you went looking for them. You ain't eating nothing? You ain't getting no gator tail? I, no tr- I, I did try gator. I thought it was okay. chicken. They gave it to me, and it was like, here, try it. And you ate it, and it tasted a little like chicken, but they was like, no, that's gator meat. There you go. Now you live. A little chewy. Now you live in, sir. No, that's all right. We'll pass it. Now, Yee, what, what are you doing at the juice bar today? You're doing well, something special, Well, today is right? National HIV Testing Day. So for everybody today, um, we encourage everybody to go and get tested at Juices for Life, our juice bar in Brooklyn. Uh, we are actually going to be doing free testing and that uh, we are going to have David Johns there with us from the National Black Justice Coalition. So we're giving out free testing. I'm going to buy juices for everybody that gets tested as well. So if you come, I'm going to be there all day mm-hmm. uh, from 2 to 7 for you guys to get tested. But just check locally wherever you are. A lot of places are making free testing available for you today for National HIV Testing Day. Now, Charlamagne, when's the last time you got tested? Oh, I'm married, man. What, is, what does that mean? What does that I'm a mean? Married man, and he's you been know, faithful since October. October of 2016. Okay. So, but where is the last time black you got men, tested? Black men don't cheat. I'm, I'm with a, you. I'm a faithful black man. I'm with um, you. So I don't have to worry about things. And like ladies, no. the first thing <laughs> that we do when we find out our man cheated on us is do what? Get tested. Yeah, so right. As first soon as we find out, nope. The first thing you do when you find out your man tell cheated, him you hate him. I'm is call up with you. your doctor and get tested. It's a lie. When you find out and your ladies, man cheating, you, the first person you call is your man. You're not calling your damn doctor. Stop lying, ye. He already knows that you know, because immediately when you're like, oh, you cheated on me? All right, so, all right, hold on. I'm calling my doctor. Now I got to get tested, because I don't know what she had. I don't know what you have. Dirty now ass. I'm insulted. How dare you think I would sleep with some dirty-ass chick? I would never cheat on you with a dirty chick. <laughs> or with a clean chick? Yeah, that, that's even better. And Charlotte. by the nice. way, you cannot tell by what somebody looks like whether or not they have something. First of all, I do the, ear- I do the earwax test. Oh, the earwax goodness. test is when you dig in your ear. You put a little wax on your finger. And you well, we're going to have a real poom. testing today. If she jumps, that means she got something. So if you still sleep with her after she jumps and you do the earwax test, that's your dumbass. Do not listen to Charlemagne. Go out and get tested. Uh, Charlemagne, the last time Charlemagne was tested was October 2016. That is, that is not true. Okay? <laughs> so you didn't get tested after all that cheating? I haven't done all that cheating. What is all this cheating? What is all this cheating y'all keep talking about? All this, there's no all this cheating. Okay? Ain't no all this cheating. All right? Just a little. Just a little. <laughs> My goodness. Ain't no all this. You make it seem like it's, it's a whole plethora of women. Okay? Uh. Anyway, uh, let's get ready for Rumor Report. How about that? What are we uh, talking about? Terry Crews is talking about why he didn't get violent during his sexual assault. Because people are questioning, you're so big, you're so this, why didn't you fight back? And here's what he had to say. I mean, this is victim shaming at its worst. No, we'll do that when we come back, you mean? Yes. Yeah, that's what we're going to talk about. Okay. All right. Rumor Report. Rumor Report. Good morning, everybody. It's DJ NV Angela Yee, Charlamagne the guy. We are The Breakfast Club. Good morning. Good morning. Let's get to the rumors. Let's talk Terry Crews. It's time, time, time. She's spilling the tea. This is The Rumor Report with Angela Yee on The Breakfast Club. Well, Terry Crews has come out and talked about an incident that happened with him with his talent agent who allegedly groped his genitals back in 2016, and he actually had to discuss this in front of the U.S. Senate Judiciary Committee, and he gave some insight into what happened. One thing that he discussed was why he did not do anything, why he didn't physically respond to Adam Bennett after he alleges that the agent touched his privates. Here's what he said. Senator, as a black man in America... You only have a few shots at success. You only have a few chances to make yourself a viable member of the community. I'm from Flint, Michigan. 
I have seen many, many young black men who were provoked into violence and they were in prison or they were killed. Uh, I hear you, Terry, but you care too much what the white man thinks of you. If a man grabs you in meat and you slap that man for doing that, then you are teaching that man to never disrespect anybody like that ever again. But everybody's mind frame is different. Yeah. Me and you, Charlamagne, you, you, you do something to us, our reaction automatically. I wouldn't even have to think about it. I'm just automatically going to do it, but he's, he's thinking differently, you know? And there's mm. a lot of people who things have happened to them, and they had no idea how they would react in a situation, and... He might have been frozen, like he shocked, he couldn't believe it a lot of times. Yeah, I'm sitting there fronting. For a man like a, or for a woman, you don't know what true. you might yeah, do. Yeah, I'm sitting there fronting like I haven't walked out of the Viacom building before and seen a group of gay men telling me I got a fat ass and I just kept, kept it moving. Kept going, right? Yeah, but they ain't touch your balls, though. No, they didn't. But, but I I'm, Yeah, a lot of people say what they would do and why didn't he do shook. this and why didn't he do that. And you don't know what you're going to do. You don't know when somebody right. in a powerful position does something, but how you might react. You might think about it. His wife was there. Here's what else he had to say in his testimony. My wife, for years, prepared me. She said, if you ever get goaded, if you ever get prodded, if you ever have anyone try to push you into any kind of situation, don't do it. But... The next day, I went right to the agency, right? And I have texts, I have uh, phone conversations, and I said, this is unacceptable. And I told them how I almost got violent, but I didn't. All right, now 50 Cent had been trolling him. He posted a picture of Terry Crews shirtless and said, I got raped, my wife just watched. And then he posted gym time. And he said, LOL, what the F is going on out here, man? Terry, I froze in fear. They would have had to take me to jail. And then he put, get the strap. Well, here's what Terry Crews said about 50 Cent um, trolling him. Well, I love 50 Cent. I listen to his music while I'm working out. I prove that size doesn't matter when it comes to sexual assault. Now, 50 Cent responded, man, I like Terry Crews. I just can't wrap my head around all this. I was watching, 50 also posted a video of Will Smith getting uh, sexually assaulted by a man. When, remember when Will slapped the guy and pushed the guy away when the guy tried to kiss him? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yep. All right, so again, we can't fault anybody for how they react in a situation that they never anticipated would happen to them. Now, you think about it, right? Mm-hmm. When Wendy Williams made Charlemagne sit on her lap. He's boy, he right, sat. This boy right he here. He sat. He didn't do anything. You sat. <laughs> Let that go. <laughs> you are right, sir. I was scared to death. So All why right? didn't you do something? I, I was scared. I and froze. She's bigger than me. She told me to sit here. Look at the picture on Revolt. Well, Revolt, <laughs> y'all just great. got that on deck, huh? Y'all just, y'all just got that great. on I'm deck every day. Huh? You definitely look like Alicia Keys, and she, she looks like Bill Cosby. Y'all just got that on deck <laughs> every day, Revolt. First of all, I'm a victim. I don't think you should make fun of victims, okay? Don't victim shame Well, the me. whole thing is you want to know why <laughs> no, people don't react the same way. Giggling? Why did you why react the way? Why are y'all giggling at me? I was a victim. Not. We're just okay. trying to prove a point here. There you you go. don't know what you might do. You're absolutely right. You sat <laughs> your not, ass you're down. Right. I did not know what to do when I was told to sit on home with you Williams' lap. You're right. All right, <laughs> Black Cruz, China I feel your pain. and Rob Kardashian. Now, in this lawsuit uh, that Black China has against Rob Kardashian, she alleges that he is an abuser intent on destroying her. She also says that Rob Kardashian threatened to kill himself multiple times to manipulate her after she left him in the house that they shared. And they also have copies of alleged text messages between Rob and Black China, in which he allegedly threatened, appears to threaten his life after Black China ignores him. So she says that Rob said he was going to kill himself after she didn't thank him on social media for a Ferrari, and that he texted her holding a handful of pills, trying to make her respond to him. So this was um, 
Along with the allegations that Black China says that Rob also was physically abusive, he said she says once he knocked her on the floor in front of their son, in front of her son, and that she was left in pain and had difficulty walking after that. So uh, this is an ongoing situation, but they do have the actual papers from the lawsuit. So we'll see what happens with that. All right, and let's talk about Meek Mill. Apparently, he is not going to get a new trial. It's up to Judge Brinkley. Once again, she has shut down his motion, even though prosecutors acknowledge that he should get a new trial. She so said whack. after an in-depth mm-hmm. review of the record, court history, notes of testimony and evidence submitted, this court hereby denies defendant's petition for relief as defendant failed to meet his burden of proof. So what the judge is initially saying is the cop who arrested Meek is really dirty, but the, but because the fellow officer who fingered him is incredible, she can't really say. In other words... Officer Graham can't be dirty because another dirty cop said that he is. I don't understand how this is, is okay crazy. when you clearly can tell that this judge has some type of vendetta against Meek Mill. Now, what if this judge sends Meek back to jail? Well, according to Meek Mill's attorney, because right now Meek, by the way, is only out pending uh, his... That's what I'm saying. Right. What this if she crazy. sends Meek back pending to jail? Pending a hearing for a new trial, but she's saying no new trial. So Meek Mill's attorney says... Uh, and he was up here before Joe Takapina said Judge Brinkley made clear during the hearing on June 18th that she had already decided the matter. We continue to believe that this miscarriage of justice will be corrected mm-hmm. upon further review and that the public's confidence in the impartiality of the ju- judicial system in Pennsylvania will be restored. I, so don't, I don't know anything about the judicial system like that. that. But isn't it some type of, shouldn't it be like some type of integrity? If you're the only code, person, like none. some type of moral Everybody code. else thinks something should happen and you're the only person that says no, and you're the judge. They got to get off the case. This is ridiculous. This is crazy. This is ridiculous. All right, well, I'm Angela Yee, and that is your rumor report. All right, thank you, Miss Yee. Charlemagne. Yes, sir. Who are you giving that donkey to? We need uh, Lee Daniels to come to the front of the congregation. We'd like to have a little word with him, please. All right, when we come back, Charlemagne is giving Lee Daniels his donkey. All right, keep it locked. Wow. Going. Guys, it's chill out. Guy. I know, man. What's up with you, man? <laughs> <laughs> It's the Breakfast Club. Good morning. It's time for Donkey of the Day. Donkey of the Day, Charlemagne. I'm a Democrat, so being Donkey of the Day is a little bit of a mixed question. So like a donkey. Yeehaw. Okay. Donkey of the Day. <laughs> the Breakfast Club, bitches. Now, I've been called a lot in my 23 years, but Donkey of the Day is a new one. Yes, <clears throat> Donkey of the Day for Wednesday, June 27th goes to American producer, director, and writer Lee Daniels. Now, yesterday a video surfaced from a Diana Ross concert that Lee Daniels and Dame Dash were both attending. Uh, Lee Daniels seemed to be front row waiting for Diana Ross to perform I'm Coming Out, but before that could happen, <laughs> he was interrupted by the infamous Dame and Dash. Now, if you haven't heard, Dame Dash is suing Lee Daniels for $5 million. Uh, none of this is new. Dash versus Daniels went to court a few years ago, and in March of 2015, they agreed to a lengthy settlement negotiation according to deadline. A uh, plaintiff and defendant entered into a confidential global settlement of all claims. Okay, It was memorialized in writing and signed by all parties in April 2015. Back then, Dame was suing for $25 million over an estimated $2 million that Dame Dash lent to Lee Daniels back in the day. Dame was supposed to receive co-executive producer credit and 5% on all amounts that Lee Daniels actually received from his back-end participation on a Richard Pryor biopic that Lee Daniels was supposed to direct, but none of this happened. Now Dame has a new claim which is fraud and breach of contract because Lee Daniels hasn't held up his end of the bargain. Now, if you've been paying attention, Dame has been telling the world Lee Daniels owes him $2 million for a long time. This is actually Dame and Dash on March 4th, 2015, via Sway in the morning. Drop on the clues bombs for Sway. Uh, 
This is Dame Dash on Sway discussing the Lee Daniels situation. Let's hear it. Put up $2 million. He had asked me to do the Woodsman and to put the money up. And I really liked the script, and I had some paper at the time. So I put up the money. And we got our money back, but then he wanted to invest in his first directing thing, and it was like shadow boxing. But, you know, it cost like $10 million and the script was crazy. And I was like, Lee, I believed in the other script. This is my money to put into movies is for my independence. And he was like, I promise you, you'll get your dough back. Long story short, I didn't get my money back. And then, you know, we made a deal where any other project that he was on until mm-hmm. I get my money back, I would be on it. And then as soon as pressure's hit, he just went missing on me. <laughs> so, okay. So then after that, we spoke. And uh, he was going to put me on the um, the Empire uh-huh. series. That was how he was going to squash it. You got to understand, just because somebody has their name on it, it doesn't mean if they're not putting up the money, they don't control it. And sometimes, like, black people get mad at other black people. Like, you, you ain't doing this. And they think this, that, and the third. Like, he ain't putting up the money. He's being told what to do. So more than likely, he couldn't deliver what he said he was going to deliver. So they tried to make it like I was something, like, you know, whatever it was. But I was just like, look, man, I don't want to put another black man in front of a judge, but this is kind of too easy. Mm. You know, but you can't just walk around owing me $2 million and you got it. Now, I want all my peers to know one thing. You will never have to worry about me pressing you over $2 million that you owe me because I'm never going to loan it to you to begin with. Okay, now the reason Lee Daniels is getting donkey today is simply because nothing will piss you off more than a person who owes you money. And you know in your heart of hearts they can pay you back, but they simply don't. When you loan somebody money, but then you see them having a grand old time on social media on your dime, it will infuriate you. Dame Dash gave Lee Daniels $2 million clearly because he believed in him as a director. And he was right. Lee Daniels is prospering out here in these streets, from Precious to Empire to Stars. Even if he isn't in control of these properties like Dame just mentioned, he's still making a coin off of them. So there's absolutely no absolutely no reason he can't put Dame Dash on some type of payment plan. Now, either Lee Daniels is having some type of money problems or he just doesn't respect Dame Dash enough to run him his coin. Matter of fact, let's not say coin. Not when it comes to $2 million. Okay, this is $2 million in cash. I want my money. Now, quick sidebar. All day yesterday on social media... And even this morning, people were hitting me saying you owe Monique an apology because she was right about Lee Daniels. Number one, when I was debating with her, uh, it wasn't about Lee Daniels. We debated on her comments about Netflix and wanting more money from them. I don't know how you all on social media can take that debate we had about Netflix and use Dame Dash Preston Lee to justify what Monique was asking from Netflix. I don't even see how the two are one and the same, but whatever. Second, Dame Dash and Monique's issues with Lee Daniels are different for this one reason. Monique was a work for hire who wanted more money for her role in Precious, and rightfully so. Okay, she should have gotten that. But that's all about what you negotiate. Dame Dash is not a work for hire. Dame Dash loaned this man $2 million and never got his money on anything else back. If you don't understand the difference in that, I don't know what to tell you. But I do know Lee Daniels is worth $20 million. That don't mean he has $20 million in liquid, but he got enough to, to where he can start giving me some good faith payments. And Lee, you better not be one of these people who says things like Dame Dash stressing me about that little $2 million. Nothing! It's more infuriating than arguing with someone about something you loan them and they refer to said thing as little. Dame scratched me about that little million, little two million dollars. Well, if it's so little, why haven't you paid me back yet? Okay? Now, I give money out a lot. Keyword is give. The reason I say give instead of loan is because I don't want to feel what Dame Dash is feeling right now because the truth is most people who are quick to borrow are always slow to pay. And it's a horrible feeling when you're a person you know, when you're a person who you know has, when you give a person money and you know they have the money to, to pay you back, but they're slow to pay you back, Lee Daniels, pay Dame Dash the money you owe him. Why? Because you got it. And that's the way this is supposed to work. You pay me what I loaned you, okay, with interest and keep it moving. You pay the white man when you owe him. 
You pay the IRS, you pay the banks when you get a loan from them, and if you don't, they come collect everything you own. Give your own brother the same respect you give the white man, okay? Now, the moral of the story of this for me is before borrowing money from a friend, decide what you need more. Once again, before borrowing money from a friend, decide what you need more. That money or the friend. Because if you're making promises you can't keep when it comes to paying back that money, you're probably going to lose said friend. Please let Remy Ma give Lee Daniels the biggest hee-haw. Hee-haw, hee-haw. You stupid motherfucker. Are you dumb? Am I missing something in this situation? No. Okay. No, 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 no. Right. no. Just making sure. I lend I you money. Owe me money. Give me my money back. Uh, and like like Charlemagne said, that's why I don't lend anybody money. I'll give you I'll money. Give me the money. You know, because I know I know. Can you can I have two million dollars? No. Um, so you just said. He said no, though. He has the right to say no. I said no. I respect his no. Give people money. I Stop said if I do, him. if I do give somebody money, I'm going to give it to you. I'm not going to lend it to you because I, you know, I don't expect it back. I borrowed money from you before, and you made me pay you back. That is true. So you're lying. Because wow. you have it. You didn't have I'm to pay confused. me back. You know, if you say, Envy, can I borrow $20? I don't expect it back. But if you give it to me back, I'm going to take it. But I've also seen you say sometimes, yeah, let me get $20 because that's the type of relationship y'all have. You gave her 20 right. And then when you need it, she gives it back to you. Correct. That's cool. I expect my money back, though. I actually hit Dave yesterday. <laughs> and I said, I'm surprised that you are not, uh, you know, charging this man interest at this point. He said, oh, I definitely am. Yeah, he's law- he's suing him. He got to pay for lawyer fees, court fees. You got to pay for pain and suffering. You got to pay for mm-hmm. all the time that I could have put this money somewhere else. Absolutely. Yeah, if you if, if I gave you $2 million, I want my money. And the worst thing about this situation, man, Lee Daniels didn't even get to hear Diana Ross perform I'm Coming Out. You stupid. You are stupid. <laughs> you are stupid. This is the worst stupid. part about this whole situation, man. And Lee Daniels better just be glad it wasn't old Dame Dash. Because maybe t- Dame Dash, maybe 15 years ago, I don't think it went like that. You ever been in a club and your song is on and somebody talking oh, to you man. in your ear and you mm. all you want to do is get the your worst. groove on to that song? I'm coming out playing in Dame Dash and Lee Daniels' ear about this money. How you know he's waiting to hear that song? I just got a feeling. <laughs> I just got a feeling. You're a jerk. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you for that talk here today. Up next, ask Yee. 800-585-1051. If you need relationship advice, call Yee right now. Again, the number 800-585-1051. She'll guide you with all your problems. Hit up now. It's The Breakfast Club. Good morning. The Breakfast Club. Morning, everybody. It's DJ NV, Angela Yee, Charlamagne the God. We are The Breakfast Club. It's time for Ask Yee. Now, you can call 800-585-1051, or you can email. What's the email, Yee? Um, helpmeyee at gmail.com. And you got an email, right? Uh, yes. So somebody actually slid in my DMs and said, Hello, Miss Yee. I love what you do. I never thought I'd be sliding in your DM with a dilemma. So I've been talking to a guy I formerly dated in the past, and I invited him over to cuddle. We fell asleep, literally, and I woke up in the middle of the night to his gas. He farts in his sleep. I could not sleep after that. He passed gas about four times throughout the night. I need some help, sis. Yeah. Now, my response was this, because apparently she doesn't normally spend the night with him. This is the first time this happened. She hasn't mentioned this has been an ongoing situation, so it could have just been something that he ate that night. We all know certain things don't agree with our stomachs. Maybe he had a milkshake. Maybe he had some ice cream. Maybe he had some cheese. Maybe he had tacos. We don't know what it is that he ate, but perhaps it was just something that he ate that night. What I would do is ask him, hey, you know you was farting all night. What did you eat before you went to bed? Just to let him know. It don't even got to be embarrassing, you know, just make a little joke out of it, but let him know perhaps it doesn't agree with your stomach and see if it happens again. That's not necessarily a deal breaker. If it does happen again, you need to get a sheet and when he goes to sleep, wrap it around him like an enchilada and um, that way when he farts, it'll just be in his area. 
<laughs> well, ye. Yes. As a farter in my sleep, and I re- the reason I know that is because my wife tells me and my kids tell me as well. There's nothing you can do. You just got to stay embarrassed. You just got to try to eat foods that don't stink. Exactly. So when you do it's really his gas, diet. It just doesn't stink. That's all. But it's going to happen. It, whatever, it whatever his diet is, that's what's causing him to fart and, and be gassy and clearly something that doesn't agree with his stomach. So uh, he's going to have to stay away from that, uh, I guess, you know, sometime before he goes to sleep. But if not, I think she could wrap him up in a sheet. And that way, if he farts, only he smells it. You stupid. Let's go to the phone lines. Hello, who's this? Anonymous, dog. I'm trying to, I ain't trying to be in a dog house today. You feel me? I ain't mad at you, Anonymous. We'll call you Anonymous, man. What, what's your question for ye? So my, my question for ye, man, is how do I... Because, okay, long story short, I just got fired yesterday, man. You know what I mean? And my girl's been pressing me about getting a new job for the last two, three months. And I, you know what I'm saying? I just got fired. So she's, she's already on my trail. Like, I told you it was going to happen. I told you, I told you. You got too comfortable. So my question to ye is how do I continue to, to, to ease my, my, my girlfriend's anxiety. She has bad anxiety. She's in, she's in a nursing school, so she all the income comes from me. Mm-hmm. So how do I ease her mind about, you know what I'm saying, like me finding another next job while still finding the next job? You know what I mean? Like, like that makes any sense? Well, first of all, let her know that she doesn't need to be pressing you about it because... You know, you are going to get out there and find another job. You don't want her to be anxious, but at the same time, you need her to be supportive. So, I mean, to be honest, I already got a, you know, something set up on Friday with my old job. You know, I mean, I work pretty Okay, so you I have a job. Work. So what's the problem? So, but, you know, because my old job, you know what I'm saying, I, I made less money than what I was making now. So, you know, I can already hear her. Like, I don't want to backtrack and we'll do, we'll do, we'll, you know what I mean? Listen, so me, my thing is, tell like, her so to relax. We find, we find solutions and move forward. The solution right now is I have a job, a job. Get back with them on Friday, but I'm going to continue to look for something better. But in the meantime, the bills will get paid. Right, right, We might have to budget a little bit better, but the bills will get paid. And I am going to be very proactive in finding something better. I just need you to be supportive of me at this time. And I still get, like, three more checks from the job. So it's like, you know what I mean? It's not like we're going to be all the way behind, you know? Right. So, if I not, so, you know, I don't know. Just, Y'all need to just sit down. School. Y'all should just sit down, come up with a budget so you know exactly where all the money is going so she can see that everything is going to be taken care of and give yourself a time frame of when you're going to find something new and actively do that. Okay. But, okay, you know, okay. to sit around and, and be nervous and worried about something doesn't help. You got to actually take action and find that solution. So, go ahead. Yeah, we just got into argument. I'm just dropped off to nursing school, so I know she already, you know, like, you know, so it's just... Yeah, we're adults. Look, things, morning, man, so, that's know, life. Things yeah. happen. It doesn't always go according yeah, to plan. Mm-hmm. Yeah, things happen. So, uh, yeah, I appreciate that. I appreciate that for real. Because you know, I just, like I said, I just wanted to kind of know how to eat. So, you know, like, probably do something small for her, whatever, you know, but, like, I just definitely want to make her feel like everything's going to be okay. Just like I ride for her while she's in nursing school, I tell her, don't worry about nothing. I mean that. You know what I mean? Like, because I, I know we got a bigger plan, so. Yes, that's I dope. Mean, it's a minor setback for a major comeback. All right. Well, ask ye 800-585-1051. You could call her right now or email her right now. It's, what? what is it again, ye? Help me ye at gmail.com. Hit us up right now. It's The Breakfast Club. Good morning. Envy, Angela Ye, Charlamagne the guy. We are The Breakfast Club. We're in the middle of Ask Ye. Hello, who's this? This is Dez. Dez, what's your question for you, bro? First things first, I watch y'all every morning. I really do appreciate everything that y'all do for the culture, everything y'all do for the community, for real, for real. Thank you. Um, but, <clears throat> ye, uh, I got an issue. Uh, last night, my girl and I actually got into an argument over what I consider not cheating. Now, okay. the activity I was doing, she caught me watching, like, webcam girl. Uh-huh. Now... Yeah, I've, I've never done that. Is that something that's live that you could, like, speak to them, or how does that work? Yeah, like, it's live. You can speak to them. You can chat. 
but I don't do like any chatting or whatever. You just I watch. just watch. And it's really just me like indulging in fantasy. And a lot of the times, like I, I tell it straight up, like, listen, I'm a Scorpio. Like it involves you, these fantasies. You know, I just like variety with you. But mm-hmm. she looks at it as, oh, you trying to step out, blah, 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 whoopsie, whoop. And I don't really know how to explain it to her. Or to you, even, it, to you it's just like watching porn. Yeah. And that's all you look at it as. You're not trying to meet up with these women. How often do you do this? Mm, three times a week. I'm going to say three times a week. And she knows all the, or you do it when she's not around. Exactly. And I think that's the issue, too. What? So then she's looking at it as, like, you know, I can't trust you, blah, 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 because you're not being open with me. But how does she know then if she's not around? Oh, she checks my phone. What do you mean? <laughs> she checks my phone. She checks the computer. She checks everything. I guess um, a lot of women aren't very comfortable, even with their um, men watching porn. I think with the cam girls, it might be a whole nother situation if she doesn't completely understand it, because she probably thinks you're looking at that in particular because you want to have conversations and interact with women. It's a lot more real than, say, watching a movie when it's somebody that you could speak to and respond to. And don't you have to pay for that? Nah, 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 nah. I mean, you don't have to pay. Like, you have to pay if you want to do something. But if you just watch, like, it's like going in the club and you, like, honestly, it's better than going to the strip clubs. You don't even have to pay a couple. Right. So to her, maybe this uh, just is a little too real for her. Now, I mean, listen, I don't really see anything wrong with watching porn. I don't know much about the whole cam girl situation. But if mm-hmm. you're not interacting, not speaking to them, and not doing any of those things, then unless she has other issues with you and it's not just this, like, have you cheated in the past? Does she not trust you? No. And see, that's the whole thing. It's this same consistent pattern of behavior that makes me look crazy. All right. Well, here's my whole thing. If this relationship is that important to you, then maybe you need to compromise and watch porn and not watch the cam girls. You're right. You're right. You know, because sometimes, you know, what relationships are is compromise. And if it's worth it to you, uh, what's more important to you, these cam girls or your girlfriend? No, I mean, she's definitely more important. Definitely. Definitely. So if it's something to her that is making her feel insecure for whatever reason and it's something that you can sacrifice or cut back on, then perhaps that's what you need to do. That's good advice, Keith. That's good advice. I appreciate that. And you could use that time, um, you know, more constructively doing something else. But, you know, just ask her, does she have a problem with porn? Does she have a problem with this? Let's just get it all on the table right now just so I know what are the parameters of what you are okay and not okay with. That's a good conversation I think we need to have. I appreciate that. All right, good luck. All right, ask Yee. If you got a question for Yee, you could call her at any time. Now, Yee, we got rooms on the way? Yes, let's talk about reboots. Find out about a classic movie that you might be excited to see again come to life. All right, we'll get into all that when we come back. Keep it locked. It's The Breakfast Club. Good morning. Morning, everybody. It's DJ NV Angela Yee, Charlamagne the God. We are The Breakfast Club. Let's get to the rumors. Let's talk Evelyn and Tammy. Listen up. It's just in. All the guys. The Rumor Report with Angela Angela Yee. It's the Rumor Report. The Breakfast Club. Well, this season of Basketball Wives has been pretty explosive. Now, on this latest episode, what everyone's talking about is this particular scene between Tammy and Evelyn. You're a liar. You lied on Chad. I lied on Chad. You know you was fighting that man all along. All right. Well, Evelyn Lozada uh, went on Twitter and said, me and my ex-husband know the truth, and that's all that matters. My heart aches for the kids and our families having to relive this ish all over again because of someone's evil ways. 
And then she went on uh, to say, hard episode to watch. Thanks for tuning in. This ish show continues for the rest of the season. She posted, the victim-blaming culture discourages domestic violence victims from coming forward. The fear of being judged and shamed is enough to make anyone stay quiet and suffer in silence. So coming out is a huge deal. Shaming directed at the survivor is just wrong on so many levels. Now, Chad Ochocinco's daughter also uh, posted, I'm so grateful I have had the opportunity to love you through different phases of our lives. I loved you before you married my father. When you took those vows, I thought my love for you had reached the highest level possible. I was wrong. My love for you multiplied tenfold when you left him as it taught me that despite feelings, emotions, and commitments, you must always maintain a true commitment to yourself. I'm so lost. I feel like I got into the DeLorean and went back to the future. So what happened now? Chad Ocasenko and Evelyn are back together? No. No. What I miss? Evelyn and Tammy. What are you Tammy, doing, man? I don't know what he was doing. Evelyn and Tammy were going back and forth about uh, Evelyn's domestic violence situation. When Chad and her got into it back in the day? Yeah. Yes. And Tammy Why is that said, coming up now? I don't know. Tammy said, you lied on Chad. Evelyn said, I lied on Chad. She said, you knew you were fighting that man all along. So what she was saying is that Evelyn was the one fighting and that she lied about Chad. And Evelyn is responding to not victim blame domestic violence victims from coming forward. Well, it all translates into big ratings for uh, basketball wives, I'm sure. But that's a very serious topic for somebody, as you saw what her face looked like after their altercation. Very serious topic, but they're using it as a storyline as well. Let's not just be clear. Well, Evelyn, I think, was upset that it was even brought up at all and that things from the past were being dragged into the show now. So Storyline. that's what she's saying. Yeah, Basketball Wives could have took that out if they wanted to. Exactly. Storyline. So, yes, that's what's going on on Basketball Wives. Now, Shawnee O'Neill is trying to bring the show to Atlanta or Chicago. So that's what's happening next, mm-hmm. if you guys are fans of the show. All right, Tiana Taylor. She is planning to release a completed version of her Keep That Same Energy album. Now, she went and did an interview with Big Boy, and she talks about the album being incomplete. I feel like I wanted to give a, a mixture of both, but still not losing myself. If you notice, it's like different levels of R&B new. in this album, mm-hmm. you know? And then once y'all hear, like, the, the album. Yeah, the album, like, next week, you'll see exactly what I'm talking about because it's w- way more completed. Why not wait the extra week or two? Honestly, like I said, I just think it was more of a misunderstanding. Mm-hmm. So I think it was more so of them making an executive decision of she been waiting for this right. moment, like, let's do whatever it is that's going to make her happy, not realizing that I kind of, I probably would have, like, waited that week. I wonder what that means. Is, is the mix not right? Is the mastering not right? Is there I guess there was some samples. There was some cleared, samples in so it, so she yeah, had they, to take it out. They didn't have time to clear certain things, so she thought certain parts would be in songs that weren't in there. She explains it more. Here's what she had to say. Like, when the album dropped, I didn't know that much stuff wasn't cleared. So, like, when the album dropped and my friends woke me up like, yo, the album is out, like, I was excited, but I was also like, wait, so that means they was able to get everything clear? Right. Like, it was really just a honest misunderstanding of me thinking, like, oh, maybe... Some happened overnight. It's amazing, I, don't get me wrong, but yeah. imagine, like, when you got the record and it's fully completed. Right, right. So when you yeah. go and you vibing out and you singing a certain part and then the music play and that part not there, it's like... Right. Right. That was my favorite part. Like, wait! I've been on Kanye's ass about uh, promoting mm. Tiana for years. And um, I don't expect Def Jam to do much. I'm sorry, Natina. But the only thing that we can do for Tiana Taylor at this point is just buy her music. The music is there. Like her it's support her music. Absolutely. Her album Seven is there. The new album uh, Keep the Same Energy is there. Go buy the music. Yeah, she's extremely talented. Yeah, she's dope. Go scream the records. The records are dead. That's the that's the biggest thing we can do yeah, for Tiana Taylor. We can't absolutely. we can't rely on no label to promote her and market her and keep blaming the label. That has go to buy be disappointing music. though when you think that your album is going to be a certain way. You haven't even heard it. It comes out and certain things that you loved are. 
missing. So good that she is going to go ahead and actually put out a completed version of the album. Well, the thing is, the listeners would never know that unless she says something. Yeah, they would have never known that the samples were there. Right, but she knows. So now she wants to have those things because that's her baby. That's her album. I'd have just said I'm putting out a, a, an album with bonus tracks or something, or a bonus album. Well, she was being whatever. honest. I like, I like the transparency. Oh, but once again, Gold Scream, keep, mm-hmm. that, keep the same energy. All, All right, right, and now MTV is going to be doing a reboot of the classic stoner movie, How High. So in this update, it's going to be two young but business-savvy stoners embark on a pot-filled odyssey through Atlanta to find their missing weed, only to uncover a vast government conspiracy. Yeah, I heard Meth and Red aren't the stars of this one, though. Yeah, no, it's an update. They got to be in it, though. Some updated version. But it is one of the film's original producers who is returning as the executive producer, and so filming starts in Atlanta at the end of the summer. Meth and Red are the uncles. I believe. I'll t- I'll Matthew Red and Uncles, and I believe, if I'm not mistaken, Trevor Jackson is one of the uh, stars of the movie. All right, now, Kenan and Kel are also going to be reuniting on a Double Dare reboot as well. So if you are fans of uh, Kenan and Kel, you can look forward to seeing that. They'll be in an episode of uh, Double Dare, and they're going to. there's a little clip out that's available right now. So uh, if you're excited and you love Double Dare and you love Kenan and Kel, get ready for that as well. All right, I'm Angela Yee, and that is your Rumor Report. All right, Miss Yee. Now, shout to Revolt. We'll see you tomorrow. Everybody else, the People's Choice Mix is up next. Get your request in right now, 800-585-1051. It's The Breakfast Club. Good morning.